sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey there, you found us on 95.5 WSB. I am your host, Ashley Frasca. This is green and growing. I think we've done maybe 20, 21 shows together. It's been a blast. Glad to be here with you on an early, early Saturday morning. I don't know why 6 a.m. feels a lot earlier today. Than it does most Saturdays for me. But the sun is starting to rise over the east. It's going to be a pretty day. It's going to be a hot day. It has been really, really hot. So I know maybe all of you are slowing down just a little bit in your gardens. But watering, so important. You've got to remember. We've had a couple of uh, good days of steady rain, though. But I've been working on a back deck. Oh, my gosh. I would not wish that on my worst enemy. It's been (laughs) so hot. I'm well aware of the temperature and the sunburn and just the misery that goes along with uh, with working on that. So hopefully your outdoor projects have been a little more pleasant. You've been able to tolerate some shade a little more. I would love to hear from you this morning. We've got a full show again this Saturday. And you know the number you can always call to join us, 404-872-0750. That is the number here at the talk studios of WSB. Any garden question you may have, a lot of you on social media giving me feedback about the show, do want more calls. So any calls that I can answer, I always try to, I always do. And today I'll have an expert with me via phone, not in studio, of course, but from 7.30 to 8.30, Seth Hawkins of the Georgia Forestry Commission, an arborist and a community forester, will be helping me take your calls. We're going to really focus on summer tree care, but anything you have going on with your trees, if there's some issue, maybe there's one weeping or you've got unidentified holes in it, maybe some limbs are dying, Seth is going to be able to come along and answer some questions for you 7.30 to 8.30 this morning. So that's going to be a really good topic of conversation because that's one of the most basic things that we all have in our landscapes. You may not have shrubs, hedges, you may not have perennials. We all have trees, though, and we need to take care of the trees that we do have. And coming along later, of course, Walter Reeves. We're going to wake him up at 6.30 and talk about lightning. He recently had a lightning strike at his house with the storms about a week ago. Terrifying. So he's going to tell you what to do if that affects some of the trees in your home. I think, really, pine trees are so susceptible to that damage. So got to look out for that. And then at 7 o'clock, Steve Craig. DJ here at 97.1 The River, one of our sister stations right here in the building in the Cox Media Group cluster, is my celebrity gardener. So we're going to be talking tomatoes, tikis, and more. A great conversation with rock and roller Steve Craig, who's been a part of Atlanta radio since the early 90s. So if you toggle between 95.5 WSB and 97.1 The River, you know his voice. 404-872-0750. Stuart in Jackson, Georgia, you are up first. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. What's going on? Well, I set out four dogwoods a while back, and I got them in a basket. One of them is not, it's green, but it's not putting no leaves or nothing on it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I used for fertilizer was cow manure. Okay. And mulch. So you don't have any leaves on the tree yet? No, ma'am. But you do know the limbs, underneath the limbs and the little branches, you've kind of scraped them or broken them off a little bit, and there's green. Right, it's just showing green at the top, you know. 
But the other, like I say, the other three is doing good. Oh boy! <laughs> I mean that that makes me think that. And are they? You said you bought them in baskets, but no, did you put no, them in the ground? No, my son gave them to me. They were, I guess, throwaways, so to speak. That's really that's he really disturbing. A, I think he bought them. Uh, he got somebody. I think somebody gave them to him, and he gave them to me. Okay. But I don't understand now. I, I, I can say this much: there are a lot of sweet gums around them. Okay. Not around them, but you know, down below them. Mm. And I, the other day, I went and put some more cow manure and, and mulch, which probably hadn't been time for them, you know, time for it to. Uh, yeah, the, the fertilizer I'm not so concerned with, Stuart, because, you know, we fertilize things when they're in active growth, right? And so it really seems like that dogwood is just having a, a hard time jump-starting into any active growth. It's not right. showing any signs of growth. So the manure is not hurting it, but I don't know that it's really beneficial at this stage. Um, water is my first concern. I water them every day. Well, okay, maybe let's let's try every other day. And how deeply are they planted? Oh, I'm going to say 18 inches. Okay, so you can see, you know, where the roots start to flare out at the very bottom of the trunk where the roots start to flare out. That is just above ground, isn't it? I hope so. No. no I don't see no roots. Hmm. Is it is it going to be feasible for you to maybe dig them up and replant them? I, I'm, I should read them. I should read them. Yeah, okay. So Should we I do that, just pull it up and redo it? Yeah, we don't want to plant them too deep at all. If, if you plant a tree and it literally looks like a pole in the ground, then that's not correct. You want to see a little bit of that root flare at the above ground. Yeah, but the other three doing doing very good. They got plenty of leaves on them. They're yeah. about uh, two and a half feet high. This one just may have been the runt. So, right. okay. <laughs> um, I, I would. I would definitely, you know, you have to dig the hole wider than deep. Right. So, and you want to make sure all the roots are laid out, you know, nice, nice and clear of one another. Maybe do that, and I wouldn't do any more fertilizer. Hold back on that. Make okay. sure to maybe, you know, prop it up a little bit, give it a little stake or anything if it needs help once you take it out and put it back in, and maybe cut the watering to every other day, and we'll kind of see if that helps. Okay. Well, now, second question. Okay. My daughter went to see her daughter daughter in florida anyway coming back she bought a fig tree and i'm gonna say it's three quarters inch in diameter and it's got this already got little figs on them oh fun. I've, I've never i've never fooled with a fig tree so i would like to get some information on that how to do it or what to do or you know you know, fig it's a trees, tree. yeah, and they seem to be, to me, in home orchards, one of the most resistant to pests and deer and bunnies and things right. like that that we usually fight so hard against in our in our orchards. But um, a fig tree, there is not much you need to do. If there's already baby figs on it, maybe... Well, she hadn't, she is still in the pot. The fig, the fig trees in the pot. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, but if there's baby figs on it, I mean, I would just kind of let it, let it hang out for now, and then the longer you leave the fruit on, this, this applies to almost any, any fruit bearing tree, yeah, or shrub. The longer you leave that fruit on, the more time it gives the sugars to really sweeten the fruit and pectin and all of that with the natural sunlight. 
So I would leave them on as long as you can to make sure they get good and ripe. Yeah, but uh, she wants to set it out. Like go ahead and plant it in the ground? She she wants to take it out of the pot and put it in the ground. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it could go either way, but if it seems to be really happy in the conditions it's in now, I would give it another month or two, let it kind of finish fruiting out, and then maybe transplant it when it's... When we're over the heat of the summer, you know, oh, that way it's not going to be as stressed. It's you mean not gonna wait, be as... to wait to solve the fall? Yes, yeah, that's the ideal time to plant anything so, like that. But if it's happy in the pot, can she just leave it for another couple months and wait and see what the fruit does? Okay, I'll tell her that. Yeah, well, hey, Stuart, you check back in about that dogwood. Give it about a month or two and <laughs> oh, let me know. Okay, but I really I, think let's start off with thinking it might be planted a little too deeply. Uh, okay, thank you so much, and have a good weekend. Good to hear from you. Thank you so much, Stuart. I appreciate it. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Paul in Atlanta. Hey, Paul, good morning. Good morning. I'm calling about the bell peppers that grow in Georgia. Uh, can you tell me a source of where I can get uh, uh, plants to pot in my backyard? Absolutely. And also, can you tell me where they grow around the country? Where bell peppers grow, I I mean, I think bell peppers are almost happy to grow just about anywhere. Maybe harder in the northern climates, but I think they do just fine. Um, Bell peppers right now, if you haven't already planted them, it's not too late. You can still be planting any kind of pepper plant, any varieties in your garden. They don't really require a whole lot. Now, all I have experience with personally, Paul, is the green bell peppers And they come on really slow, and I don't really have a huge flush of them per plant. I've only maybe gotten so far two little green bell peppers per plant. And I I would be curious to hear from anyone who's done them repeated years and actually had a bigger yield from one plant. But very low maintenance, very easy to do. And the good thing about pepper plants, most of them don't need a lot of space to grow. So they're ideal for container gardening. Maybe if you have the deck or the balcony or something where you just don't have a lot of room, they don't need a huge raised bed or trellises or anything like that. I do want to find out a little bit more, Paul, about kind of, you know, their um, how they how they do throughout the country and, and their success throughout different states and things like that. But I also get garden newsletters from a gardener in Texas, too. And it's very similar from what they do to here. I mean, we we don't have the extreme dry heat that Texas experiences, but peppers do well in almost any climate. So I'm glad you called about it. Don't fret. Now, obviously, you're not going to be wanting to do seed right now, but you pick up a bell pepper plant from uh, Pike Nursery, and you're good to go and good to put it in the ground. It is time to take a break. We're going to check traffic and weather coming up on 618. More of your calls and Walter Reeves at the bottom of the hour. I'm Ashley Frasca, and you're listening to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Green and Growing on until 9 o'clock with you this morning, live from the WSB studios and Home Fix-It Show, 9 to noon, as Scott just mentioned with Dave Baker. But that's not all we have for you today. 1 to 3 o'clock, Atlanta Living with Belinda Skelton. We're going to have Georgia versus Florida, a game from 1987. I'm going out on a limb. I don't know if that's the Lindsey Scott years or not. But that game is going to be 3 to 5.30. So that's going to be fun. And then, of course, we have a a ton of uh, health shows and financial shows for you on Sunday mornings. So keep it right here on 95.5 WSB. Now your weekend weather. 
update. That's by Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz in for the weekend for Kirk Mellish. Today it's going to be mostly sunny. Going to have a little bit of cloud cover every now and then. High of around 86. Lows in the mid-60s. And then tomorrow a few more clouds. Some sunshine. A mix of both. A stray shower not out of the question for tomorrow. Highs around the mid-80s and lows again in the mid-60s. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Always want to keep things pretty basic for you and pretty easy, not intimidating in the landscape. So maybe three things that could apply to you if you do nothing else this weekend. Number one, plant containers. And don't be limited to the idea that you can only use annuals. You know, when you're doing some multi, multi-planting multi in some of those containers, whether they're by the front door or at the walkway or whatever, you can remember the the theme of thrillers, spillers, and fillers, and what each one of those functions serves in those big containers. And use perennials, too, small shrubs and even hostas. Add some visual interest to your uh, to your container gardens. I've got dwarf boxwoods in mine, so that's just one less thing. That's kind of the uh, the the filler, I guess, or the, uh, which one would that be? That would be the the... The filler? Yeah, that'd be the filler because it takes up most of the room and then I just kind of have to place everything around it. Number two, keep asparagus and garlic well weeded right now and let the asparagus grow lots of ferns as they're already starting to do for the rest of the summer and the fall and don't cut back the foliage until it's totally brown. Number three, support any vining plants that you may have. Many have great blooms now, and you just need to check the trellises and the wires and other supports and make sure they're sufficient. I would love to hear what you grow successfully because I've had this large wooden arbor for years that I've never had the courage to do anything with. And I talked to Walter and Mickey Gasway for a number of years, just kind of waiting back and forth, you know, what I wanted to do. If I wanted to do like a firecracker plant or if I wanted to do cross vine. I don't know why I decided against um, jasmine, but I did. But, I mean, there's so many different options of good flowering vines that you can do. So just make sure that those are putting on their best flourishes and that they're weighted properly. And, two, speaking of trellises, it's a good idea to start investing in some of those. You've got the cucumber and the squash plants and stuff going crazy. I know your beans, you probably already have everything in place that you need. So be looking out at your summer gardens and just make sure everything has the support that it needs, including the tomatoes. I I would love to meet the person who finally designs a tomato cage that's tall enough to support tomatoes that get, you know, I mean, those get six or seven feet tall sometimes. And I always have to stack two uh, tomato cages on top of one another to really support them. So if you have any clever ideas there, we are here to learn and we're here to share. So I'd love for you to call the show 404-872-0750. We're going to take a break and check traffic and news updates, of course, at the top and bottom of every hour here on WSB. And then Walter Reeves already calling in to talk about lightning strikes and what to do in your landscape if you have trees that have been affected by any of the crazy summer storms that we get. So all of that coming along for you on Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. We'll be back. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. 
Is it green and growing or is it dead and maybe browning and rotting? I hope that's not the case, but if something in your landscape is, that's why we're here. I've taken over for Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, and I don't have all the answers, but I certainly try and we learn together. So any issue you may be having in the landscape, give us a call, 404-872-0750. We're here to help and we're here to learn. And some of the best calls are actually the calls not even with the questions, but people supplementing something I've said or you know, sharing an experience that they've had and they were prompted to call by a previous caller and they just wanted to make an addition. So always feel free to do that. I will not take offense to that at all. So coming up in just about an hour at 730, we're going to have Seth Hawkins of the Georgia Forestry Commission. And he is here to talk about summer tree care and maybe some diseases and pests that you're dealing with right now. But any issues with trees, I would love for you to be able to call at that point and talk to Seth and I about. He'll be along for an hour, 7.30 to 8.30, to answer those questions. But now we have uh, awakened or woken up Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Many of you tune in for the whole show, which is cool. If you have three hours available on a Saturday morning, I certainly appreciate it. But you tune in at 635 every Saturday because you know you will hear the Georgia Gardener, Walter Reeves. And here he is with me on the phone. Hey, Walter. Ashley. I miss hey. seeing you, but we can't We can't have you at the I studio. Know, I know. Masks and all that stuff. Man, oh, man. I, would, I really miss seeing you as well. I'm really grateful that we could do this, at least be on the phone with each other, sort of from my studio to your studio, but I wish I saw your face. I know, I know. We we were just talking about, you know, getting together and maybe toting around town and seeing some mutual friends and things, but we'll play it safe. That'll have to wait for now, right? Gotta wait, gotta wait. Be safe. So I am glad that you're staying safe at home, (laughs) but you gave me a little scare. About a week ago, I think it was a Friday, we had storms that moved through. It was the most random thing. Like, I was driving up I-75, I'd left the station as I think about 11, 11.30 in the morning, and just massive rain driving through Marietta. It was tough to see. It was kind of scary. Yeah. Thunderstorms that early in the day, like at lunchtime. And what was your little scare? Well, in North Decatur, there were massive thunderstorms going on, too, and a little stroke of light and hit the pine trees beside my house oh. and light just scared the woo out of me. <laughs> I, I would mean, imagine so. I was in the house drying off. I was basically naked, and this huge boom happened. And within oh, 30 seconds, my neighbor called and said that her son, her six-year-old, had said that a hand grenade had gone off in the, <laughs> in the, in the woods between our houses next to the treehouse. And as soon as it quit raining, we walked up there to see what was going on. And sure enough, actually, lightning had struck two pine trees and made enormous wounds in the side of them. And it was just spectacular to see what damage lightning can do. So, you know, I guess you hear the meteorologists say cloud to ground lightning or, mm-hmm. you know, some things can come through the the ground and then reach us or a car or a building or whatever. So in looking at these pictures, which the the pictures that you texted me a few days later, I'm going to share on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, but I'm going to have those pictures up so someone can see how awesome this is. But when you look at this lightning strike and the damage that it did to the bark on the pine, does the strike go from like the point where it hits the tree down to the ground or do you think it hit the base of the tree and worked its way up? went from the tree down and frankly i haven't found the place way up in the tree which should be the starting place 
and many times out of the lightning strikes, you can see way up in the tree, there'll be a sort of a place the burn hits and the streak goes down the bark of the tree all the way to the ground. On mine, the streak starts about 30 feet, I guess, up the bark of the tree, mm-hmm. and it actually jumped from one tree to another, Both and lightning went down both of them. Oh. So you see a streak on both trees going down to the ground, and at the ground level, it blew soil up. That was the thing that really freaked wow. me out, was it blew the soil up a big hole, you know, three inches deep, about two feet wide. Did you send me that one, too? I didn't see that. Well, I'll just send it to you, too, if uh, you want. Well, I do kind of see the, the pine needles are disturbed there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, gosh, yeah, I do kind of notice that. So and it blew a hole in the, in the treehouse floor, blew a hole in my treehouse floor. Oh, my God. You have a treehouse and a pine tree? Well, it wasn't such a smart idea. (laughs) (laughs) You could have picked a sturdier tree, Walter. Come on. (laughs) But the treehouse that uh, is built around the pine tree trunk, yeah, has a two-foot by two-foot square, I guess, bone in the floor where the lighting went through to get to the metal slide that is uh, on the treehouse as well. And when it came down the slide, the lighting bolt hit the ground in front of the slide and blew another big hole in the ground. Wow. So for someone that can't see these photos, I mean, it is pretty obvious. You're looking at it and you can kind of figure out what happened. But you have had over the years, many folks reach out to you, you know, with questions about what happened to my tree. And and you're always really quick to answer. It's lightning. So what would be some of the things someone would look for? The identifying factors, like would you always see a burn? Does it always go in a straight pattern? What's it look like? It's not always straight. That's a good, good question. It's not always straight. Most of the time it is. That streak, I call it, but it's just a strip usually of bark where these lightning electricity went down the trunk of the tree and had a steam explosion, the sap underneath the bark boiled immediately, and the steam that was made blew apart the bark, blows the bark off of the tree. And so you see that strike down the side of the tree where the bolt went, where it traveled. That's unbelievable. And this could happen to any part of the tree. I mean, it could happen near the base. It could hit a limb. Yeah, what, what would it do, you think, top if it hit... to bottom, yeah. sometimes, like mine, 30 feet from the ground down, uh, you just look and see and see what you saw. And it's not always, I mean, the question I've been asked, actually, by several of my neighbors is, are you going to have to take the trees down? Mm-hmm. Well, that is still to be determined because trees can recover from lightning sometimes pretty easily. With our help or just Mother Nature? A little bit of help, a little bit of water is the main thing. It's almost like a human being, if you are burned, if you're terribly burned, your skin will weep liquid in order to protect it, to keep it moist, to keep it healthy. And the tree, too, is healing itself underneath, which is how trees do things. They heal themselves from a wound underneath the wound. And to heal itself, it needs a lot of water. So it starts weeping to that point. And so I will water that area of my woods uh, maybe once or twice if it gets dry during the summertime, I water it at least twice really heavily, a lot of water in there to keep the tree from drying out because dried trees obviously are not good. And it also attracts southern pine beetles and southern pine beetles would come in and attack it perhaps. So since the the fact that everything underneath the bark is exposed, that's what makes it mm-hmm. appealing to beetles? Yeah, and it smells good, too. I mean, beetles love the smell of pine sap because they say, oh, great, pine sap, lightning strike, everybody come with me. Beetles have this weird ability. It's like a perfume that all the beetles have. And when one finds a good pine tree to attack, they put out this perfume to attract <laughs> all the other pine trees in the neighborhood. Party time here at Walter's Pine Tree. Yeah. 
Now, you said Mother Nature does a lot, and water helps heal as well. Sure does. But what about some of those products that folks may use for for a wound, like a tar kind of stuff, you know, along the trunk or along the affected branches that were struck? Do you recommend that? Bad idea. Okay. It always inhibits the healing of the tree. It inhibits the tree being able to callous it over. The only thing you could do, I think, is get a real heavy-duty, what I call razor knife, box cutter, maybe it's another name for it, a real heavy-duty knife, and go along the side of the stripe, both sides of the strike, on the bark of the tree, and remove any loose bark, because loose bark is where bugs could hide to attack the tree. And so you take that loose bark away and sort of carefully make a sharp border, I guess, between the damaged wood and the bark of the tree. And the tree then will adhere real tightly right there. And if it can, it'll try to heal over in, oh, it'll take 10 years maybe, but it'll try to heal over, fold over that wound. Oak trees are great about doing that. But uh, pine trees, not so much. But nonetheless, it, it doesn't hurt to remove the raggedy wood along the edge of the strike. That's that's good advice. Okay, everybody needs to stay indoors when we have one of those quickly <laughs> passing thunderstorms. You know, Georgia summers are famous for them. Stay away from trees, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. be Kurt. in the bathtub. Thank God you were out of it. <laughs> but don't be near the running water, the faucet in the bathtub when that's happening. Yeah, Kirk has mentioned a couple of times that you don't have to hear, you don't have to uh, be in the rainstorm for lightning to strike. This lightning can strike you even when the thunder is way off in the distance. Lightning can still strike. So if you hear lightning, get to a safer place. It's not smart to be even outdoors underneath tall things like trees when the thunder is approaching. Wow. And you could hear just that loud sound. Wow, was it big. Oh. That's terrifying. Well, oh, we are man, glad yeah. you're okay and your pine trees, like you said, to be determined, but you got to yeah, keep no us up rush. to date. No rush on taking the pine tree down. Along and along during the summer, if I see the top of the tree start turning brown, I'll know that the lightning strike has girdled the tree, that the steam explosion girdles the tree completely. Water can get to the top no matter how much I apply, and I'll have the tree taken down. But it hasn't weakened the tree. It hasn't made it, so it has to be taken down today. I'll just wait and see what happens. And I have a feeling that this will become a really good blog post or an article on your website oh, yes, on WalterReeves.com. Yep. So any other questions or safety about lightning, folks can just enter lightning in the search bar of your site on uh, WalterReeves.com. And so, yeah, keep us up to date. We'd love to see the pictures of the before I'll and after. It. I sure will. All I right. will, actually. Thanks, Walter. Always good to catch up with you. See you next Saturday. And as promised, I have those pictures of Walter's tree, well, at least one or two of them, up on uh, the Green and Growing Facebook page. If, if you're on Facebook and you just type in Green and Growing WSB and search for that, you'll find the show page. And uh, Sam is one of the first ones to like the photo and comment about it. And yeah, it's pretty scary how those lightning strikes happen. So you can feel free within that thread to share any lightning damage you may have to your trees as well. So it's kind of just a wait and see game. 404-872-0750 is the number. John out in Newton County. Good morning. You're on Green and Growing. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? Hey, John, I'm doing really well. How about you? Doing well. Hey, I've got a, uh, a property I just bought, and one of the attractions was all the fruit trees that uh, is on the property. I've got plums, pears, peaches, apples, blueberries, Ooh. pecan trees, all kind of good stuff. Wow. Uh, my question specifically is about the, the plum trees. Uh, the plums are coming in season where they're starting to ripen, where we should be able to pick and eat them. However, <laughs> uh, I've got three trees. One of them looks about, 
really healthy. It's tall, uh, but it's not fruiting very much. The two that I have a concern look like they've been topped at some point, and they're short and fat, and they are fruiting a lot. The problem that I'm having is the bark, the limbs, uh, instead of being that smooth bark out on the limbs, I've got a lot of places where the limbs have swollen, the bark has busted, and oh. it, it looks very cancerous. Mm-hmm. Um, the fruit itself, as it's coming to be ripe, is actually molding, it's bruising and molding on the tree. So we can't even get anything to actually really eat as it's coming uh, ripe. I have cut some of them open and noticed a worm inside of the pit. And so I'm kind of wondering, I'm pretty sure it's too late this year to do anything about, but is there anything that I can do to prepare for next year's harvest and actually have, you know, nice red plums to actually eat? Now that is, you have made some really good observations, John, and I think you were the right homeowner for that home because that needs really a lot of TLC. You think, oh, I, I, fell upon an orchard. How cool. But little did any of us know how much work it's going to be. So I have an answer for you. And guess what? Mohammed in Atlanta and Bill in Williamson calling about very, very similar things. So you guys listen in right after the break for my answer for John. And then y'all hang on, Mohammed and Bill, if I didn't quite touch on what the answer is to, uh, to John's question. But I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly how disappointing it is. So y'all hang on. We got to take a break and we'll be right back on 95.5 WSB. Yeah, Justin Ovi on the board and DeMarco answering your calls here on Green and Growing. Did you look at my Facebook page, Justin? You did not? Because I quoted this very song on the Facebook page. Oh my gosh, this exact song. Yeah. Uh, when I posted the pictures of Walter Reeves' trees damaged by lightning. So, wow, you like read my mind. We're simpatico this morning. I love that. We work with such a cool crew. It is so laid back around here on Saturday mornings. We got Mike Shields over in the traffic center. We got Robin Walensky doing the news. And we're all just laid back as can be. And we love having you along. 404-872-0750. So I left myself a couple of minutes here to answer John's question. I love that he he was out in Newton County, inherited this great orchard and described a couple of different things going on with the plum tree. And I'll tell you what I'm referencing is uh, publications from the University of Georgia about peach trees, but very similar issues. So John had a couple of things going on. What what bothered me, too, about, like you said, the limbs and the bark was starting to come off and a little bit swollen and things. That right there makes me think maybe a peach tree borer. And they attack trunks, roots, and then there's a lesser one that really gets into the vascular tissue and uh, ultimately kind of disrupts the flow of water and nutrients from limb to limb. So doing like a late summer application of an insecticide when when all the fruit's almost done uh, to get rid of the borers is one thing. But exactly what maybe you and Mohammed and Bill are seeing is brown rot, which is so common right now. And it's so incredibly frustrating for folks with peach and plum and in, in some cases, apple trees as well. So the brown rot, that's generally caused by a fungus. And what happens there is that fungus, those spores live on infected limbs from year to year. So we don't even know going into the spring that those spores are already there and then as the fruit grows, the fungus increases with the, the you know, onslaught of the warmer weather and all of that. So that makes the brown rotted peaches and plums that you see. So a, re- a regular routine spray regimen and spray program is so important for that. You got to get with your local 
county for the size of an orchard john like you have you really want to call the the county extension office and make sure of all the spray regimens and and things that you can do but control starts with a fungicide spray early in the spring before everything even starts to flower and getting ahead of it and captan is one of those dacanil is another one you just got to make sure you read the labels and then once we get the fungicides in ahead of time we want to do pesticide sprays as well but obviously you don't want to do that until after the blooms are gone because you don't want to disrupt any pollinators or anything that need to visit those blooms and blossoms as they start. So a good spray regimen for both fungicides and insecticides, that's going to be key. And also cultural practices. Like once you've got those spores on the affected fruit, you have to remove all of the fruit from the ground, from the limbs. As soon as you start to see those mold spores and that that brown rot on the peaches and plums, you've got to remove them, toss them as far away from the tree and the rest of the orchard as you can. Good cultural practices, keeping that area clean, that's going to help a lot too. So hopefully that gets you off to a good start. And like I said, look up uh, Peach Tree Borer, John, as well, and see if that may not be some similar pictures to what you've got going on the limbs too. I'm so glad you've got a flush of plums, but unfortunately many of them you can't eat. So be patient. And also stink bug. There's so much to talk about with this. Stink bug and um, some other things may also cause some bruised spots, plum curculio, and some of those fruits. So be sure to look that up. Well, Muhammad Bill, if you still need help, hang on. We're going to be right back on Green and Growing. Thanks for listening to WSB. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details.